So there is an ancient Jewish tradition that dates back before the creation of the world, and it's called the ripping of the mask. Good, that's your cue to laugh. What strange days we live in, yes? So it's uh, great to be with you all. I have uh, readers. I'm officially old. You can laugh. Getting my glasses fixed, so I have my contacts in. I can see everybody there, but when I look at the pulpit, everything's blurry, and then I have to throw these on. So uh, working on that, so bear with me. If you have your Bible, please open with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3 this morning. And the title of my message this morning is Trust the Process. Trust the Process. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. And let's ask the Lord for his blessing on today's word. Father, thank you for um, this wonderful day. Lord, thank you for this house. Lord, thank you for Trinity Church. And Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Father, I pray that you'd be with us this morning. We know that you are. We're two or more gathered. You're with us. Lord, thank you for the power of your word that is a roadmap for us, Lord, as we navigate walking in this world, as we wait to meet you in eternity. Lord, bless us, encourage us through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Amen. So trust the process. Anybody here a sports fan? Raise your hand if you're a sports fan. Excellent. So I grew up, some of you know me, I grew up in Philadelphia, Don't hold that against me. Yes, we got some Philly fans. I've mentioned that before. But uh, our basketball team is the 76ers, Philadelphia 76ers. And uh, a few years ago, in 2013, they got a new general manager, and his name was Sam Hinkie. And Sam, some already know, Sam Hinkie had an idea, a brilliant idea of how to build this franchise and make them a champion. And uh, his purpose was to make and receive draft picks and not draft real well at first, but draft kind of mid-level and acquire all these draft picks so then he could have pieces to trade, right? And then eventually he would get good draft picks. Some say that his purpose of this was to tank the team and make them really, really bad. So the players got word of this, and they're like, I don't want to play for a loser. So one of the players in the locker room says, we have to trust the process. Well, that was made famous by Joel Embiid. If uh, you're a basketball fan, you'll know Joel Embiid is up for the MVP of the basketball, the NBA this year. He's amazing. He's a giant. Uh, He's fantastic. And he coined the term trust the process. Um, And uh, we'll... Find out what happened. So they were the worst team in 2013, 2014, 2015. They set a record for consecutive losses uh, in the NBA. Um, and they were really, really bad. But wait till the end of the message where I will tell you and update you on whether they are still bad or not. 
a little cliffhanger there. So trust the process. So I want to ask us this morning at Trinity Bible Church, have you ever had to trust the process? Have you ever in your life wanted to be further along than you already are? Yes, I would say most of us would like to be further along than we are, right? I would like to not yell at my children, right? I would like to be more patient when I drive. I would like to pay my taxes on time. I I pay my taxes on time. Um, But it's funny, when we're thinking of athletics and we think of the 76ers and we think of all sports teams, your first year in the big leagues, you're considered a rookie, correct? You're you're considered a rookie, and you're a rookie for a reason, because you're learning the ropes, okay? I will make a confession. I'm 50 years old, but I love Xbox, okay? And I play the NHL Xbox. And uh, I turned it on, and I didn't know what the settings were, so I just went with play mode. And all of a sudden, I'm playing, and I'm getting killed. I mean, they're scoring goals on me. It's like 5 nothing, and it's only been two minutes into the game. And my son comes in and says, Dad, you're really bad. I'm like, thanks. He says, let me check the settings for you. So he checks the settings, and lo and behold, I was on pro level. And he says, let's go back to rookie. So I went back to rookie. And I struggled, but I learned my way. And I won the Stanley Cup in rookie. And then I tried semi-pro, and I'm through semi-pro. I had only lost one game in the full season in rookie, and now I've, I've lost five or seven five, six, or seven games. But I didn't start out as a pro, right? And none of us start out as pros. And in our walk with the Lord, we start out as rookies, right? The Bible calls us babes, right? We start out on milk. Uh, We don't give our six-month-old ribeye. Hey, chew on that for a little bit. We give them milk. We give them parade food. And the same goes with our walk with the Lord. We start out as babes and as rookies. So turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to be encouraged this morning with trusting the process. So Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 through 14. Paul says this, I'm reading out of the ESV, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, But I press on to make it my own because Messiah Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Messiah Jesus. And I hear those amens because this is a passage that deserves amens. So we're going to look at three things this morning. We're going to look at God's process in our life, in our sanctification, in our journey from being a believer to the ultimate goal, which is eternal life in heaven. So God's process, Paul's progress, and our prize, if you're taking notes. So God's process, Paul's progress, and our progress, and ultimately our prize. So a little bit of background about the book of Philippians. 
Many of you know, if you're a student of the Bible, that the book of Philippians was written by Paul, the apostle. And Paul has written this book while he is in prison. He was on house arrest, chained uh, to, to a guard. And we see the word joy throughout this book. And we scratch our heads, right? Consider it all joy when you fall into various trials, right? Oh, I just got into an accident. That's a trial. But I'm not getting out of my car and clicking my heels and saying, praise the Lord, and doing fist pumps, right? There, there are trials. There's COVID. But we can count it all joy because those trials make us more like Jesus. So Paul says this in Philippians 2. He says this concerning God's progress. He says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So trusting the process, trusting God as he works in and through our lives. Philippians 1.6 is my life verse, right? When I struggle against myself and I struggle against sin and I yell at my kid when I should be patient, right? When I'm selfish, and I want to watch the hockey game, and there's dishes overflowing, and my wife looks at me and says, really? And I say, okay, I'll do the dishes, sweetheart. I cry out to God, and I say, Lord, I want to be like you. And I'm reminded of Philippians 1.6. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus the Messiah. And here in this text, as we go back to our main text, Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or have already perfect, but I press on. So what does he mean? You know, when we look at the text, we need to ask ourselves why, right? Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect. I ask myself, what is he trying to obtain? What is the this in this passage? Well, we need to jump back to verse 10 and 11, which precedes this small text we're looking at. And Paul says this, he says in verse 10, not that I, that I may know him, right? So Paul says, I want to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in the Messiah, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Then Paul continues and says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. And we can have encouragement here because we were talking about professional athletes, right? Right? When I look at Paul, when I first started reading the Bible, I looked at Paul and I considered him, I put him in the category as professional Christian, right? Would you kind of put, you know, Paul is the guy, right? If he was with us today, he'd have multiple PhDs, right? Multiple master's degrees. Uh, Paul was, a, in my eyes, a professional Christian, But we can really take comfort in these words where Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Paul, really? 
you who are the apostle of apostles, you, Paul, who wrote the New Testament, you, Paul, who was a rabbi, who know, knew the law perfectly, you yourself testified that when it comes to the righteous, righteousness by obeying the law, you did it perfectly. But he's saying here, I am not perfect and that I have not obtained that what I desire to obtain. And those things that he desired to obtain were in verse 10 and 11, like we said. That he wants to know him in the power of his resurrection, to share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Is Paul saying that he's going to miss the resurrection? No, he is not saying that. We're going to find out what Paul actually means as we continue on in our message. So Paul's goal here in this passage is three things. It was Paul's aim, his goal, and his passion to know Jesus, his death, and his resurrection. Paul at this point has not experienced the resurrection from the dead. Okay? He has the resurrection power in his life, just like me and you. Before I knew the Lord, I didn't have any power over sin. Whatever I thought, I said. If I didn't like you, you knew it. I come to know Jesus, and God says, be more kind. Be encouraging. Don't call the person who is a jerk a jerk, right? We are to act like Jesus. We are to be kind and loving. But that power that has come through the resurrection is ours today. Because Jesus has risen from the dead, that power works in us to say no to ungodliness, to say yes to Jesus, and to yield to him. But we have not yet experienced the full resurrection because we're still living in this sinful body. So we looked at trusting the process, right? What God has begun in you, he would be faithful to fulfill it to the day of Jesus. Secondly, we're going to see Paul's progress. So I asked some of you, have you ever gotten into the game of comparison, right? Have you ever compared yourself to someone else, if we're all honest, all of us have, right? Um, I grew up a, a drummer and a musician, and I would always compare myself to the greats, right? Ringo Starr, you know, he did it better than me, right? There's always, always someone better looking than us, smarter than us, dance a little bit better than us. Um, but if we get into that game, it really leads to death. Uh, we see Paul's humility here. As I mentioned earlier, I mentioned that he was a professional believer. But we see his humility, and we can take great comfort knowing that Paul didn't have it all figured out, and Paul was still trying to receive what God had offered to him through the power of the resurrection. Paul says here, as we look back at our main text, not that I have already obtained or have already been perfected, but I press on to make him my own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made him my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press forward. So Paul is using this analogy, this parallel to running. 
And like a runner who knows that a backward glance at the ground already covered will only slow his progress towards the finish. Paul says that he forgets what is behind and stretches out towards what lies ahead so that he might complete the race and win the prize. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Messiah Jesus has made me his own. So think back to when you were a child in, in day camp, right? Who's been to day camp, right? You were a kid. And uh, I remember, like, you know, you'd have these races, right? And you're running. You're, you're like, oh, my gosh, nobody's Like, I'm in front. I don't see anybody next to me. And that moment you look back, where's my buddy Johnny? Oh, there he is passing me because I looked back, right? And I broke my momentum. In the same way, we are not to look back, right? We've, we're looking forward to what lies ahead. We're forgetting those things behind. Life is a long journey with regrets, mistakes, and if we get caught up in looking back, we will forget what lies ahead. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Isn't that wonderful? Everything we do in our walk with the Lord is because of what he has done first for us. We love him because he first loved us. It's beautiful. What an encouragement for us today. It's all based on what Jesus has done for us. So we see two points here. We see that we're trusting God's process of making us like Jesus. We see Paul's progress as he has shared with us an example of humility that he has not yet obtained, but he is pressing on forward. What is he pressing on towards? He's pressing forward to the prize. The prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. So verse 14 so forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What is the prize? You might be asking yourself that because that's what I asked myself when I was studying this passage. What is the prize? Who would like to know what the prize is? Would you like to know what the prize is? I would like to know what the prize is. I'm going to tell you what the prize is. It's the upward call. Well, okay. How about a little more? What is the call? What is the prize? It's the call. Well, what is the call? Well, I'm glad that you asked me what the call is. The call is found in Hebrews chapter 3, and it's called the heavenly call. The heavenly calling. If you're taking notes, Hebrews chapter 3, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, 
Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. 1 Thessalonians 2.12 says, We exhort each one of you and encourage you and charge you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. God calls you and me. Let this sink in. God calls you and me into His heavenly kingdom. There's nothing new here in this message, right? Don't, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I'm just here to be a cheerleader this morning and to encourage us and remind us of the truth that we have in Jesus. 2 Thessalonians 2.14 To this He called you. To what, Paul? To this He called you. Through our Gospel. So that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, the prize is 1 Peter 5.10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory and Messiah, to Him, He will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. The prize, Trinity Bible Church, is the eternal glory of our Messiah, Jesus. All of our straining and pressing forward in Messiah Jesus is to receive His eternal glory. That's the point of this passage. The point of this passage is Paul is striving and straining, right? We have eternal security, right? I'm sure Pastor Keith would teach that. We talk theology in his office usually over breakfast or we meet here and Rick comes in and interrupts and throws tomatoes at us. and It's a great time, but we talk about theology and we talk about doctrine. And we are in the hand of Jesus. Nobody can snatch us out of His hand. If you said yes to Jesus, you are His. Why is Paul striving and straining? Because he's forgetting the things that are behind and he's pressing forward to the knowledge that one day he will be in glory with Jesus, the Messiah. So all of our straining and pressing forward is for His eternal glory. So what is the end point? The end point of this entire passage is obviously the resurrection from the dead. right? The goal that Paul is looking forward to is that end resurrection where we will be lifted up Our bones, I don't know what's going to happen, but our spirits are going to leave this body and we're going to be face-to-face with Jesus. So, I love the passage in uh, Matthew uh, where it's, it's Peter and the disciples and they're on the mount. It's the Mount of Transfiguration. And um, it says, the text says that Jesus appeared to His disciples 
And he was shining brighter than any laundered laundry, right? Whiter than any white that had ever been seen in the world. And that passage, actually, if you look at the original language, it's not just he's just shining. Sorry, I don't have the Greek in front of me right now, but it's actually the light of God in Yeshua is actually shining from inside out. It's amazing. So when they saw that bright light, and Peter's like, we should build some tabernacles here. This is amazing. Like, wow. The the picture is, is that Jesus is standing there, and the light of God, I'm really not doing it justice here. I need to have my notes from that sermon. But the light of God is coming in. It's from within Jesus and is shining out. I don't think we really know what we're going to experience in heaven. I mean, I have goosebumps now as I think about it. Um, It says we're going to walk on streets of gold, right? So what we drive on is going to be gold, right? I mean, the most highest commodity here on earth is gold. That's going to be our asphalt. Right? It's going to be absolutely glorious. There will be no need for the sun because the Lamb of God will be our sun. So the end point. Because Jesus Christ has made me His own. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained or am already perfect. Thank you, Paul, for that great encouragement. But I press on to make it my own. To He's pressing on to get to the finish line to receive that prize, which is everlasting life. The charge for us today is keep pressing forward. Keep at it. Walk with Jesus. He loves you. He knows the plans that He has for you. Plans of peace and not of evil. Encourage yourself in the faith. Strengthen your soul today in Jesus. Why? Because verse 12 tells us why. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. This Analogy does not do it justice. No analogy at this point could make this point justice. But when we really think of what Jesus did to make us His own, right? We think of the garden. We think of Jesus having to pray. I have labored, right? I labored just two weeks ago. I went and played hockey, and I felt all of my 5-0 the next day as I was sore. I have, like, wow, I didn't know I had a muscle there. <laughs> that hurt. And not only that, I fell. So I was like, Ugh. So I took an Epsom salt bath, and everything was better. Um, but I've never... I sweated that night, right? I was drenched. It was good. But there was no blood coming out. I didn't check, 
you know, wow, that's, ah! Honey, I'm bleeding. My sweat has blood in it. But the text tells us in the Gospels that Jesus, in his desire to do the Father's will, sweat, as it were, drops of blood. He was in agony knowing what was about to come upon him. And that was the wrath of God was going to fall upon Jesus. And he was going to take the full brunt of the sin of the world upon himself. All of Hitler's sins, all of the murders in the world, all the abortions, all the theft, of all the sin, Jesus paid for that. Because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Paul has realized the great length that Jesus has gone to purchase him. Just amazing thought. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. We run, we pursue, we strain forward. We press on as victors. We will get the prize, not because of anything we have done, because of what He has done. As He willingly gave up His life, was on the cross, took the wrath of God, 100% the wrath of God, and it was made a propitiation for our sins. The wrath of God was satisfied because our beloved Jesus, looking for that sign. Did you guys take it down? It's hanging in the back. Our precious Jesus, who bore the sins of the world. We run, we pursue, We strain forward. We press on. We fight from victory. We will get the prize, Trinity Bible Church, because of Jesus, the Messiah. So finishing up, God's process, God working in and through us to make us like Jesus, Paul's progress, he strains, he presses forward towards that prize, and that prize is the resurrection from the dead, where we will leave these dead bodies, be lifted up to be seated with Jesus for all of eternity. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, for this simple reminder of your process in our lives, the progress that we see you working in us, that you'll be faithful to complete the work in us, and that ultimate prize that awaits us, Lord. Help us to remember in the midst of our trials, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of hardship, oh God, we pray that you would help us to remember, Lord, that there is a prize. 
that there is a destination. That one day we will experience that resurrection power pulsing through our veins and we will be caught up to meet you in the air and we will be with you for all eternity. Father, thank you for your great plan. And Lord, we pray that by your spirit, you would help us today to trust the process. And we commit that to you. We long for the prize we will one day receive. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.